been lounging, lounging with Skipper. <laughs> You've been lounging, lounging with Skipper. Oh, yeah. Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? I'm sitting here right now. Well, welcome to another episode of Lounging with Skip. From the time we met to now. <laughs> You yeah. know what I mean? It's amazing to me. It's, it's, it, yeah. it, it blows my mind. Um, I'm sitting here with Joy Villa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I just want to know, like, your beginnings. You know, my, my show is just about the beginnings of how, you know, someone became successful and what it is that they're doing mm-hmm. and what they're doing and where they're going. So nice. let's listen from your beginnings of when you, you know, I know you're a woman of many things. Yeah. You know, acting, mm-hmm. music. That's right. Arts, the, you know, the arts. Yeah, that's um, right. So let's touch on the music. So, okay. Well, what was first, acting, music? Which one was first? Well, that's a good question. A lot of people don't know. That's why I'm writing a book, actually, to mm-hmm. tell my story, my beginnings, because I've been through some, you know, mm-hmm. shit in life. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people, once they get famous or, or some sort of celebrity status, they don't talk about their past a lot right. because it's like embarrassing, right? People wanna be like, oh I was homeless or I was yeah. abused. They don't want to talk about that. Hear about but that, people you know? do people actually. Do. Yeah. So for me I started in musical theater. Okay. So it was acting and singing. Okay, so this is when you were a little girl? I was five years old. Okay. My first play. It was okay. a Christmas play and I told my mom, you have to make it look perfect for the costume. Mm. I was like a little diva already. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I was an angel in the Christmas play. Mm. And I loved it. And I just I knew from that moment what I wanted to do with my life. Mm. And I was also an artist. Like I would draw pictures and I would design costumes and I would, you know, have a fake little talk show when I was a kid. You mm. know, I, I just grew up very artistic in doing that. And then when I was 10 years old, my parents let me join this um, theater performance group. So we did a bunch of theater group, like uh, theater plays around okay. town. Okay. And this was in Santa Barbara. So and then you were we born, moved to New York. born in Santa Barbara? I was born in Orange County, actually, okay. California. Okay. And then we moved to Santa Barbara. And then we moved to New York when I was around 10 years old. Okay. And then um, we moved back to um, Santa Barbara. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm very New York. A lot of my... My growing up was from New York, I feel like, um, but I'm also very California, mm-hmm. laid back. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in the arts. I always knew what I wanted to do. I graduated high school early at 16 years really? of age. Yes, I tested out for the California proficiency exam. Okay. I was already in advanced placement classes. Really? You know? Yeah, I was already like reading. I would read at a ninth grade level when I was like, you know, in fourth grade. Really? So reading was really my, my, wow. my stickler. Mm-hmm. Um, math, I wasn't so good on, but you know, I could read well. So, and I was in advanced placement classes. So I would just like join with the Asian kids. Usually mm-hmm. <laughs> they're always good in math. Right. Okay. And, um, I just made friends wherever I went. And I was very like, you know, you could sit with me. If you didn't have anyone to sit with, you mm. could sit at my table. Mm. That was my policy. It's like, everyone's allowed. Come on in. You just have to be polite. There was no cussing. Mm. <laughs> I cuss now sometimes. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I was very strict. Really? Very strict Christian. Wow. And no cussing and no bullying. Mm. But besides that, everyone could say what they want and get along. Mm-hmm. So it was like I had my little rules. And it was interesting. You know, you had the smoker kid. You had the bad kid. Yeah. You know, you had the, the rebels and... In the Bible believer kids, you had all the different groups there, and then I ended up going to Hollywood. Um, around what year? Around what? That, how old were you? Yeah, that was my parents ended up moving to Burbank, so I left home at 18 years old, 
and traveled around the West Coast. I went to Seattle. I, you know, I was just living this sort of gypsy life. Mm. I lived in this van. You lived in a <laughs> van? I lived in a van. How long were you living in the van? Um, with my boyfriend for a couple months. What um, was that like? That was, well, that was, at one point it was fun, but it was also like, I mean, I, I chose to sort of live this hippie lifestyle. Mm. I wanted to just be free. And growing up, my parents weren't, you know, it was very up and down. Mm -hmm. My parents loved me very much, but my mom um, was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia when mm. she was 17 years of age. Mm. So she would take medication and would just knock her out and it would just, she would just be sleeping all day. Mm. So at all this left alone time with my siblings, I have a younger sister and an older brother, um, or she would be off her medication and she'd just be running amok. Mm. and would just grab me and my siblings and just take us across country. Mm. And my dad would have to call the cops. I mean, it was like a big thing. I mean, it was intense. I remember being in a uh, foster home mm. for a few months because it was my mm. mom was arrested and for this, this kidnapping was, us. This was after you graduated from high school? No, this oh, is when I was still a kid. Okay. Yeah, just doing some flashback. No, no, it was good. Origin story. No, it was good. Yeah, so it was, you know, I always loved Jesus and loved God and knew that I would make it out of the situation I was in. But I also knew that I was loved, even though it was very up and down. I knew that I was more, I had more to be grateful for than a lot of other kids. I had a mom, I had a dad, right. you know, a lot of kids didn't have that. We weren't raised in the ghetto because uh, my parents had a lot of money, but then they would lose a lot of money. Mm. And actually at one point in my family, we lived in a van together, mm. which was a super low point. Um, I was probably around eight years old and it was just hard. And then we, my parents destroyed their credit. So we ended up living in hotels. Mm -hmm. I thought we were just like on vacation sometimes, you know, wow. I mean, other kids thought we were, I mean, I kind of knew, okay, this isn't normal to live in a hotel, but, and the hotel staff doesn't like it when you live in hotels usually mm -hmm. because they, it was just crazy. But I went to high school through all of it shopped at thrift stores. We were very, very poor when I was in high school, but I was always very well dressed, mm -hmm. did my hair. So you made what something seemed not as good, but you made it the best out of it. Absolutely. You know I mean? Absolutely. Nobody knew, you know, and I've always carried that about me. People always think I'm rich mm -hmm. when I was dirt poor, mm -hmm. broke. Um, and then it just sort of, you know, I didn't have any money, but I left home um, that's when I was living. I was camping out with some friends. It was I was basically homeless, but then I ended up meeting a boyfriend. We started traveling together. We ended up getting a van, mm. and we lived in that van. And, I mean, we panhandled for cash. Like, it was crazy. But when you're 18, you're sort of... I was just this free bird, you know, just this free <laughs> spirit. <laughs> free bean. Free bean. Yeah, that song. <laughs> And it was it was crazy, but I was also grateful to be out of the craziness that I was raised in. Okay. It was at least my crazy. And it was harmless stuff. You know, I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. And then um, I knew that I wanted to be an artist, though. I, I focused mostly on the acting because I thought that's where the money is. Music is the private hobby that I love to do. But I just thought, you know, but back then, I was like, it's all about acting. So I came back to L.A. after having lived all over the place. I was like, it's time to do my acting. And my parents had moved to Burbank in this time, okay. a couple years later, right? I was, you know, and so I came back, I started, I went to acting classes mm. and I got some small parts and some small films. And so when you started taking acting classes, you was like, you know what, let me go ahead and get, um, what's, what's the word, get, um, 
have lessons in in the arts of what it is I'm trying to do. Get yeah, become better. Absolutely. Learn actually what it is I'm trying to do. Absolutely. And actually, what I want to do. Yeah, and I had um, like a mentor. I mean, my aunt who retired from the military. She was a captain in the Marines. She actually from Virginia. She lived in D.C. in Virginia. She actually paid for these classes, like a very expensive program. Which there's a lot of them. Don't get me started. Some of these classes are just overcharging, right? Um, But this was the actors' boot camp with Eugene Buca, and it was very well thought of and thought out, and it was amazing. And my parents couldn't afford those classes. I couldn't afford them, but my aunt did pay for them. So that gave me structure. It gave me TV acting skills, on-camera skills. Um, Now, I forgot to say that when I was 16 years old, after I graduated, I was actually producing youth network television for Comcast Cablevision. Mm. I was producing my own live segments and anchoring my own live segments. At 18? At at 16. 16. Yeah, we did little sketch shows, comedy. We'd film them with my... Uh, video camera, the old Sony video camera with tape and you know, it was just like, I, I just would find things at thrift stores and put things together and do, use my dolls and make creations and comedy sketches. So a- a- after high school, you didn't want you didn't like want to go to college or like go off to school or anything like that? No, I didn't. I mean, I, I could have gone to college. I could have been accepted into a program early because of my academic skills. I graduated with a 4.0. Yeah. I mean... But I knew that college was not going to help me. Like, what would a university teach me when I already know what I want to do? Now, if a degree was needed for acting or music or performing arts, um, because I looked into some colleges that, you know, give those sort of degrees, but four years, I mean, I could be doing it in four years. You know, I could actually be putting that, pounding the pavement, like actually, you know, going to auditions and booking things. And so that, I I thought, this doesn't make sense. This is going to be a time waster. And instead, I just went directly into TV production. And I got that opportunity. So I was was really blessed to be able to see opportunities, even in a small town, Santa Mm -hmm. Barbara. Lompoc, actually. Mm-hmm. So, so you were taking these classes, yeah. acting classes. Yeah. So then I, that. then I turned eighteen. I took these acting classes, and you know, I, I still hadn't really battled these demons that were inside of me. Mm-hmm. There was still some darkness. Um, it's the only way I can explain it. I, uh, I had a lot of, you know, pain from when I was younger. I mean, I was. I was sexually abused when I was a kid, you know, and I mean, it was five years old. It was not my parents or anything. It was a, it was a, it was not a relative. It was a, a neighbor who would come by and, and, you know, that was painful. And I didn't realize that until much later, um, in therapy, uh, in counseling, but it, it, I found that out because my whole memory had been blanked out until I was like around six years old. When did you start going to like therapy? Were you going to therapy around that time? Or this Definitely was not that life? time. Way later on okay. in life, okay. you know. This, I this say, was... I say, that, I say that to say because some people don't. They like, oh, I'm not gonna go to therapy. I yeah. don't want to talk about it. I just want to just live my life and go for it. So the therapy later on in life, it kind of helped you to bring those things. Big time. Forward. Okay, that's good. Big time. Yeah, and you know, I was going to church, but it wasn't wasn't always regular thing and it also you have to kind of save face at church too that's mm-hmm. your community right so it wasn't really like I didn't talk to people about my feelings I was always the one helping other people talk about their feelings mm-hmm. I was the counselor to others mm-hmm. so I would get really that's that lonely Taurus, that Taurus, that's that Taurus I know it gets lonely right we're carrying other people's burdens you know we're the strong bull but they forget that we can also be gentle exactly gentle cows like we're big beasts we look big oh you're so strong you're so powerful yeah but we have really soft hearts right right big old cow eyes (laughs) right 
We got right. we got horns, yeah. but the rest of our body is yeah. soft. Yeah. yeah, it's it it can be difficult. So it was sort of, I, I got really angry, and I just sort of wanted to do my own thing so badly, and threw myself into the rock and roll scene of Hollywood. And I started a metal band, mm, metal so music. Is, so this is where the mu- this is where the music. This is where the music start because I was like, you know, I'm really angry. I need to get this anger out. And I always listen to rock and roll when I'm angry. Cuss, close the door and just cuss. Mm, okay. <laughs> but um, rock and roll, and and uh, I learned boxing at 14 years old. So physical sport, running, rock and music, and just getting it out. That became my refuge, and I myself into it and I started a band but it just fell apart because the drummer was in love with me mm. you know and then I started smoking pot uh, and it was like mm. it just collapsed it was like typical mm. problematic my sister was in my band mm. and she and I would always get into it right so it was just it was a mess and I was a little out of control at that time because I was starting to just go I want to go the opposite my dad was a preacher and pastor mm. by the way very kind man but also he would also have anger explosions mm-hmm. you know and it was just this up and down topsy-turvy we'd, we'd feast or famine I was sick of it so I threw myself into the rock and roll but then it kind of it failed and I was like you know what screw being a pastor's kid I want to go the opposite and when the opportunity came to date this bad boy my second boyfriend ever um, I ended up leaving with him and we ended up traveling Seattle like I just ran and he ended up being abusive physically abusive emotionally abusive I got all all this is before we met this is before we met (laughs) isn't that crazy before we met a couple years years Mm. before we met maybe five years I think before we met I think it was 25 when we met 24 it was 2011. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It was 2000. Yeah, 2011. Like, 2011. Yep. That's right. So, this was No, like, matter of fact, it was, yeah, yeah, no, no. It was the summer, 2011. That's right. Because that was when we worked on all the music in mm-hmm. August of that year. So, this was around 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. So, this was a couple of years before we met. And, you know, the re- relationship was really bad. It was just abuse all over the place. And I was crazy as well. It was just like, ah, you know, just insane. And, I didn't deal with my demons then, and then I got pregnant. Mm. And being pro-life, I said, "This I don't want this baby to suffer from mm. my choices, mm. but I also don't, I can't raise it, this child. Like, mm. I'm, I'm messed up right now. You know, I was fully, like, you know, at my peak of just not knowing what to do. I wasn't a bad person. It's just I was very irresponsible. It's, it's just, like a kid. It's, it's just interesting when I found that out. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what? I was just like, I, I never would have, you know, because it's like when I met you, I, it, you didn't come across as that kind of person. That, right, wounded. Yeah. Victimized. No. I never carried my scars. No. I, I know. So I, that was, that's why when I hit you up, like, really? When I touched you, <laughs> it was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so you were going through all that. Yes. And I ended up giving my child up for adoption, open okay. adoption. So then fast forward a few months after that and pregnancy and all that, my brother became my best friend through this. Mm. Um, and then that's actually when the, when I really hit the deep end because mm. then my mother died. Mm. And, you know, she'd been sick for a while, mentally sick. And she had lived on the streets and we were trying to find her. And my dad and, and her had just been distanced and... My sister was living with my dad and then my mom was just gone. And I mean, she was just totally off meds, off out of control. The doctors never helped her. 
the, Spit, the spitting psychiatric. Images. You like you know. the spitting image of her, the pictures that I've seen. Oh, thank you. Know, you. Look, look, yeah, look she was a gorgeous woman and so sweet and so kind. Um, and just a beautiful woman, but a very broken woman. Like she's the opposite emotionally. She did carry her wounds on her. She wore her heart on her sleeve. You would see if this woman is broken and shy and sad and not and low in confidence. My dad was the opposite, overconfident, arrogant. So I kind of balance the two, you know, I have like a soft inner core. I learned my emotions, like my sweetness from my mom, my kindness, my warmth, but then my strength and my, you know, solidness and my like, no, you can't take advantage of me from my dad. Mm. So it's really this thing, you know, my dad's Italian and Argentinian and my mom is black American with some Choctaw Native American. So it was just this crazy mix. But um, after she died and I, you know, not dealt with that, and my, I had given my baby away, I had not dealt with that, I just descended into drugs and alcohol yeah. and craziness. And I was doing shows, but, you know, they basically look like you're going to a strip club when you would see those mm. shows. They were just wild, you yeah. know, just taking my clothes off and not naked, but just like whatever, dancing on tabletops and bikinis. I was like full on Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan. Mm. Thank God there was not cameras like mm. there are now. Um, and you know, some of those pictures have surfaced and people try to point out, you know, you know, look at her, she's not a good person or whatever. But I think, man, I mean, what were you okay, doing? Okay, so that was shows. Yeah. That was you as, that was you as like performing. I was performing. Oh, yeah. So that oh, was like, yeah. That was like the costume. Absolutely. So yeah. But, but you know what? It's no different than like Vanity 6. You know, Vandy when they came out with Nasty Girl and mm-hmm. up on in Apollonia, up or in lingerie, Prince. same thing. Sex sells, mm. and it's fun when you're young to mm. express it. It's the same thing, exactly. Wow. You know, I'd have girls on the stage with me. Yeah. We'd be rubbing and doing the whole yeah. thing, and and yeah, it was a performance. It was all a performance, okay. and it was a way for me to get out my pain. You know, mm. and, and be performing. I wasn't hurting anybody. It was all legal. It was all 18 or 21 and up clubs. Mm. And, um, yeah, and it was like gothic themed night, so we'd be dressed up, and right. I'd have my dancers with me, Miss Joy's Malicious Kittens, mm-hmm. and it was great. I mean, it was it was really fun. It's not something I would do now, because I could see that I was hurting at that time. You just needed to find a way to but express I, yeah. and, and scream. Like, exactly. Like, like, watch me roar. Instead of hearing yeah. me roar, watch me roar. Exactly, and that was, that was something I had to get out. And, you know, a lot of people who are sexually abused act out later on in life you know they become you know whatever you know they become like sex addicts or whatever you know they, it comes out or they become extremely like they can't have sex right they can't have touch they have some weird relationship i wasn't on that end but i was just like i'm gonna try everything everything i was not allowed to do i will try and luckily i wasn't hooked on drugs but i experimented um i drank every day i partied it was all party club girl get dressed up but at least i was performing but i wasn't actually creating i wasn't going in the studio i wasn't even singing at some of those shows they were just dancing you know and and hosting at club nights and promoting for other people's productions so i knew that my life was empty and it just came to enough was enough and I cried out to God and I, I just, I had to just stop it all. I went straight to live with my dad. No more alcohol, no more parties. I didn't touch Facebook. I didn't touch uh, my phone, like no texting, all those people. I didn't look at anything for nine months mm. because I had to do a cleanse. Mm. I was so uh, stuck in that scene, that Hollywood scene. Mm. And I actually was booking roles during that time. Now, funny this is enough. when I remember when we met, you told me that you were, it was a movie that um, Alton. 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember you had like, yeah, he was like, yeah, I'm in this movie too. And it was like a scene. Oh, yeah. It was like, you know, you know, like like a, a prostitute or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And I remember you told me when you saw it and I went and looked at that. I was all like, what? <laughs> You're like, sure. I remember that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I but that was fine. Yeah, you know? yeah I mean, it was a movie. It's, it's a movie. Exactly. It was a movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, baby. Mm-hmm. It was like the opening mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny because there was this uh, Mr. Skin. You know, Mr. Skin is like a stupid online magazine, but it's an online thing where they were supposedly they find actresses who are nude. Okay. And then they like, you can subscribe and see all the nude scenes, right? Mm-hmm. So they had me up there, mm-hmm. and I was—I wrote them. I said, "Excuse me, I am in this movie, and yes, I play a prostitute. I'm fully clothed in mm-hmm. that scene." Mm-hmm. But they were using it as clickbait. See mm-hmm. Joy Villa, nude, fully nude, this young is, actress. This is, this is now? Or? No, this was a couple years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. this was a couple. This was probably around 2015 when I started blowing up mm-hmm. my music after my first Grammys. We'll, we'll get to that. Now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I had to tell him I was okay. like. No, I'm not. But it's funny how, you know, they'll catfish you and be like, oh, clickbait. It's a, it's a sick culture. So after I began healing. The nine months. Yes. That's when I started doing my music. I delved into my guitar. I delved into writing, journaling. All the emotions came out. Um, healthy living, fitness. You know, I just would, I'd go to a coffee shop with my dad. He'd be ministering to people and I'd just be writing in notebooks writing new songs, painting. I mean, it was incredible. Now, okay, so now I'm, I'm kind of feeling the vibe of like, this is where I came along, somewhere along. A little bit after that, okay. that's right, that's right. I kind of feel it, yeah, it's like another, new... like, like a rebirth of a person that I never would have known any of that was going on. Exactly, you met me at my my rebirth period, mm. my, my renaissance. Now, it's very smart to always remake yourself. Mm. Mm. Artists, we love to recreate ourselves, right? We go through phases. You see what I'm doing right now? I right love it, exactly. I mean, you don't, you don't grow, you don't grow. Right. You right. have to keep growing, you know? You either grow or you die. So, I just want to let, you know, everybody listening how we met. Yeah. So, um, I was working in Sherman Oaks at this barbershop uh, early 2011. Summer 2011, um, I see this girl walking down the street on, on the side of the barbershop, well, on, on you know the barbershop side, and you were walking by, I think, and um, or I think I was whatever that thing like a day you walked by. Yeah. And I was like, who's the girl with the big afro? You know? <laughs> this kind of has like a she kind of has like a Cindy Lauperish kind of vibe about it, like you know, like because I was new out here, so yeah, everybody was just kind of looking. The same and generic. No, no, well, no, no, no. Just the vibe out here was just different yeah. than where I was coming, than where I came from. Oh yeah. So I was like, she has an interesting look. Uh-huh. So, but I was like, you know, whatever. I had pink knee socks on. All that type And of pink stuff. Converse, and I think just, a rainbow skirt. Just, yeah, yeah, just colorful stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So one day I'm going to Seven uh, Subway, right there, yeah. or Starbucks, or one of the two, and um, the guy. I forgot how, but we ran across each other in that, and you had told me about the building. That's right. The Scientology building. He was like, hey, okay. you should come in. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll see what's up. Whatever. Yeah. So one day, I was like, this thought came into my head. It was like, you need to holler at her to see if she's an artist or something to that extent. So wow. I was like, let me go over here to this building, see if she's there. Yeah. And when I... Came to the door, the one guy, the white guy with the, the big white guy, the, the beard, he came to the door and I said, yeah, yeah. is uh, that one girl here? 
And he was like, you talking about Joy? And I was like, yeah, her. And she was, he was like, yeah. And then you came out, he was all like, hey. <laughs> and I was like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. And that was when we went into that main room. Yep, with the TV yeah. and the movie. Yeah, that's And that right. was when I was like, you know, I see this vision, like you as an artist were like colorful. Like if, if it was an, an album cover, it would be like, you know, Joyville. Joyville. <laughs> and little kids playing and like yeah. seesaws and swings and just because it was your energy that just that's what I saw like a Cindy Lauperish kind of yeah but like but like I never for I'll never know. forget that yeah. you also said when I see you I hear music yeah when I see this and you motion to what I was wearing I yes. hear music yes I was I so spot something. on I know I that know, was right? so spot on and I was volunteering at the Church of Scientology yes. Yes. working there yes. and that is really what once I found my voice again I ended up coming to Celebrity Center mm. and modeling in a fashion show. That was okay. the first gig I got after just swearing off alcohol, like I don't drink, I don't go partying unless it's for work now. Mm. And that was part of the counseling that I got mm. that really helped me get over all these so I was, traumas. So I was catching with that moment. Absolutely. That That's interesting because I never would have known that. You know, no. Um, um, so you caught me at the right time. Yeah, it's crazy. I still have a few friends from those crazy periods because really? they've also grown up. Okay. Um, a friend of mine, he became a big artist, and mm. when I knew him, he was like on heroin. I was like, dude, wow. this guy's like trouble. Like I knew then he was mm. bad off, and now I see him, and he's just an incredible artist, mm. and he's covered in tattoos, coolest guy, sweetest person. I know a couple people from those party times who've grown up. Girlfriend of mine now teaches at a university. Okay. I mean, it's like we if you can grow through that, you can you can make something of yourself. Mm. But most of those people caught in that scene, once you try it, they get addicted. Yeah. They go down. I know people who've died of overdoses. Yeah. In the Hollywood scene, you know, smile on their face, fake tan, mm. lip gloss, and next next day you see they they overdose. So so because now we're touching on the music as well. Yeah, yeah. Of, of the whole Mr. Skipper B. Yes, okay, yes, keep Villain going. So, yes, this is the great. So I remember now, and during that time in my life, I was, you know, new, it was like, I've been out here for like a year. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I need to work. I need to do some things, do some music. I need to yeah. meet some people. Like, I was going through a downtime in my life mm. from the transition of St. Louis out here. And I needed yeah. to roar. Yeah. So you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Because I felt like I was closed in. Right. Bull in a china yeah. shop. Yeah. So I was like, I, I, that's when I hit you up. I said, listen, let's link up and do some music, whatever, whatever. He was like, okay, cool. Let's do yeah, it. You were so great with the communication. That's an East Coast or middle, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, where Midwest, you yeah. Midwest thing. And, and, and you were like, okay, cool. But then we're like, we wouldn't talk for like a week. Yeah. So I was like, no, bump that. And I was like, I text, I said, listen. Let's yep. link up today. Yep. I'll come and pick you up. Yep. Bring you to the spot. Mm -hmm. And we're going to work on some music. So and you was all like, okay, cool. And so when I brought, brought you to the spot, I was living in this, this house on the... Bubbling <laughs> house. Up on this hill in like the woods and the nature <laughs> aspect. You know, yeah. it was because I was going through my cleansing phase. Wow. That's why I lived there. Wow. I, I chose to live there. Away from everything. Exactly. Smart. I chose to live there because I needed to be able to, from where I just came from, mm -hmm. I needed to be around nature and woods. and Something that's real you know and healing. Yes, yes. Yeah. And he was never there. 
Yeah, it's perfect. So I was like, when you come through, except I had my roommate. <laughs> what was, I forgot his name. Do you still talk to him? No. I, he was kind of special. Once, yeah, once he moved, that, once, once he left, that was it. He was special. I forgot his name at this point. I think it was Ben. Ben! It was Ben! It was ben. It was ben. Yes! So we basically <laughs> would link up mm-hmm. for like, I think it was seven days straight, like a week straight. That's right. Every night. Every night for a week straight. And was knocking out these. First, we get our 7 Eleven coffee. 7 Eleven, which I still get to this day. <laughs> oh, boy. Which I still get to he this still day. Get to... Oh, no. So, look, I still get it to the, every, day, every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. 7 Eleven coffee. Hazelnut, sugar. <laughs> little palms. All that. Little all... floaty marshmallows. Yeah, the marshmallows. Mm-hmm. All that. I still get it to this day. So, <laughs> keeps you grounded. That's interesting. That was like seven years ago. So, yeah. Um, worked on the music. Um, I think we came up with like 15 ideas. And I remember it was one beat in particular when it had to be going out. At this time, we would like link up and was playing. What's that group? MGMT. Oh, MGMT. MGMT. Yeah. Um, dun, 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 dun. I dun, the song. Dun, electric feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, electric feet. Yeah, yeah. And and we were just listening to we were going on YouTube listening mm-hmm. to Sheila E Little Dragon all that yes all that just trying to get some ideas yes so this one a lot of this kind of electro R and B pop yeah, yeah influences yeah. so when that whole incident you know just we were working on that and I said you know something I like this beat right here and you were like yeah let's do it you know mm-hmm. and um, you were like you said to Ben you said um, it was this big book it was a big dictionary you said yes. you said Ben Look through the book, and what's the first word you come across? And he went through the book and said, wind. <laughs> he was like, wind. Yeah. And um, the beat okay. was playing. I remember, I'll never forget, it was like, we just had the beat playing. You was like coming with some things, and I was kind of in the kitchen doing it. I was like, you come around me like a cold wind. Mm-hmm. And he was all like, he started singing. It was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, boom. So we had this. I wrote all the lyrics in yeah. 15 oh, minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had, we had this idea, but I was like, I wanted to take the the, the, the synth part out. Yeah. And you brought your guitar through. Yes. And you came through, and you laid your guitar. So That's everybody, right. when you go back and listen to that song, it's the first wind. song recorded. Mm-hmm. She's playing the guitar live. Mm-hmm. That's no edits. That's no anything. That's She played the song straight through. Yeah. And that's what made that particular song so dope to me is the fact that it was just a natural play. There yeah. was no editing in that. Yes. And so that was a inspiring moment for me because it's like I'm actually sitting here creating something now. And it's something different for me. Yeah. As a producer. Yeah. That was dope. It's so I great. It was so I thank, magical. I thank you for that. You know thank what I mean? You. Because I because yeah. I never would have um Probably came with that particular energy of a of a record mm-hmm. um, with any other artist, mm-hmm. and to this very day, looking back, that's the only record that I've done that sounded like that. Same here. So I appreciate you for that. I love um, that. So after Cold Wind, we went to the studio, did all that type of stuff in the song. We just let it just kind of do whatever it was doing. Yeah. Now, two thousand. That was two thousand twelve. Um, so two thousand twelve. Um, then I didn't hear from you no more. So what at that time? That summer, 2012, and mm-hmm. all, what was going on in your life? Well, I moved back to New York after that, mm-hmm. and I I went to the ASCAP 
I, music fest. That's right. Yeah, that's music right. expo. That's right. That's what happened. You introduced me yes, to that. You yes. said join ASCAP, yes. and I was like, yeah. Yes, you gave me the know-how, and then they did a once a year I create music expo. I've been almost every year since. And you had that show. Uh, yeah, we was. <laughs> The we show, did a couple the show of we shows. did at the House of Blues. That's right. We did a House of Blues yes. show in the foundation room. And that was the last that was the last time I saw your dad. I remember That's right. There. Yep. And my dad was there. We had a song Free Bean. Mm, I free am bean. a free bean. I exist <laughs> freely. <laughs> I am a free <laughs> bean. <laughs> and I exist <laughs> as me. Yeah. yeah. And you so, were live remixing it. We had a great time. Well, we had the um the, great one, show. the one guy on the on the key. No, it was one guy on the guitar. I think yeah. he was another guy on the drum. Drums. Yep, exactly. With a guy on the drums and a guy on guitar. Yeah. And then it was you on the keys remixing yeah. it, yeah. and then my vocals. Mm -hmm. We did rehearsals at your new place. Yeah, at the place where. Yeah, that's own. right. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, and then after that, you know, I went to ASCAP Music Expo. Mm -hmm. I met these four cats who did music. They were all from New York, mm -hmm. and we ended up doing all these songs. One of the songs was called Vagabonds, mm -hmm. which I'll tell you about later. Right. But we did it all in this hotel room because okay. there was a German guy who was there for the expo and he had the whole equipment. And he goes, come back to my hotel room. He was staying in like the crappiest Hollywood motel because it's in Hollywood and mm -hmm. it's just up the street, like on the boulevard. Mm -hmm. So we all packed into his place, a, a black guy, white German guy, a white guy from New Jersey. And I think it was one other dude. No, then it was me. I was like the girl. And we all just started vibing together. And mm -hmm. so we started creating and just, we created this song called Cold Wind, which I wrote all the lyrics to, and sitting in a hotel room. Like we had all these long, like these songs, right? Mm -hmm. So we had a great vibe uh, jam session. So we all swore like, we're gonna get together, we're gonna do this. And we actually pretty much said, let's do a band. Oh, and Char my friend Charles, who's an incredible singer, he's now on Broadway, doing tons of Broadway shows. Um, but we said, let's call ourselves 4MF for four motherfuckers. Mm. Okay. <laughs> because that's like what we are. We're just like four crazy motherfuckers, right? Mm -hmm. So there was four of us. <laughs> I was going to remember that. And uh, with, a, with another one who would come in sometimes. So we had this thing. It was just magical. And I was like, I need to move back to New York. Mm. That was my calling at that point. So I moved to New York. Um, I'd finished volunteering at the church. And I'd, I said, I just want to expand. I want to get out there. I moved to New York City. I was doing things on my own. We started recording those songs. We did some really great stuff. Out of nowhere, the producer's like, I need to make money. I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, yo, I moved from Los Angeles to New York. This is all I have. Like I moved with like $200 in my bank account, like nothing. And at that point, I was talking to my dad every day. I was like, dad, I don't know if I can do it. I randomly ended up meeting my bandmate from, from back in the day when I was in Seattle, a drummer. And then he confessed that he was in love with me. I'm like, what is it with drummers falling mm. in love with me? And I was like, oh no, he's like, I've always been, this was a different drummer from a different band, not the first metal band. Mm -hmm. And it just made things complicated. Right. And I thought, okay, I'm not meant to have a band. I'm meant to be a solo artist. Mm. I booked this gig in New York um, and I rode all the way up there on the train, not in the city, this was in um, the Water Street Music Festival. And I performed my own thing, I performed Cold Wind mm -hmm. with our backtracks, my backtracks, performed a couple other tracks I had done, uh, which we had done in the studio and just other random producers I had met and people loved it. Mm -hmm. And I booked this gig in London because of it. Mm -hmm. Then my dad died mm -hmm. and I had to come back to Los Angeles to handle everything. I got to see him before he died. He died of a stroke. Mm. And 
that was the hardest thing because he was my best friend. I mean, I was talking to him every day. Like we had healed so much in that year I'd lived with him after my crazy times. And we talked about it and I was like, you have to treat me like your, like your grown daughter, not like a little girl. And he was just like, you're right. I need to treat you with respect for who you are now. And we just, we bonded on ever since that moment. And so that, and that was a couple years before. I'm so grateful for that. But he passed away and my life was just shattered. But I was able to handle it more because of the counseling I had done, because I had built some stability. I didn't go off the deep end like I did when my mom died. So I was in a new place and thankfully, but I was still really broken up by that. And I ended up moving back to Los Angeles. What did I do after that? Did you go to Man. Seattle? I went to Seattle. That's right. I, I went that. to Seattle. That must have been, I think Seattle must have been before that. So I'm, I went to Seattle before I went to New York. Okay. I went to Seattle. Oh, I went to Seattle. Then I came back here for the ASCAP Expo. And then from there, I went back to Seattle and then moved to New York. Okay. Yeah, so I lived in Seattle for a couple months uh, because my boyfriend at the time, mm -hmm. who you met, who was a music producer, um, his brother owned a jazz club. So I ended right. up managing, helping manage that jazz club, waitressing in it, and performing in it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because we were staying in touch. Mm -hmm. So that was amazing. I crafted a lot of like, I, you know, music from that. And that's where I ran into uh, a drummer. And then the, I told my drummer, I'm moving to New York. You should move there too, because his dad had lived there. But that's when I'd broken up with my boyfriend by then, and now I'm in New York, and this guy's in love with me. This other guy I thought we were gonna do a project with is like, nah, he drops it. Now, by so, this time, was Vagabonds already recorded? It was recorded, yes, but it was not released yet. Okay. So it was like, it was like, Vagabonds. Some way, I mean, the melody was totally different than okay. what you hear now. Okay. I, and it's funny, it took me a while to get out of that old melody, but the lyrics were the same. Okay. And it was still, the intention was the same. A traveler, someone traveling and, and going out there, traveling the world. You know, my heels are itching to hit the ground. Uh, you know, just get out there. My body's swaying like a Cali palm tree. You mm. know, just the imagery of like having to get out there and just... Dude, live your life, mm -hmm. not, not slowing down, mm -hmm. no regrets. So after that, I came back, ah, I went back to New York after my dad died. And I ended up booking this photo shoot with this photographer. And I was really sad at that point. I was mm -hmm. like, I don't even know if I want to leave the house. And I was booking fashion gigs, by the way. That was always my backup, is modeling to make money while pursuing music. I dropped acting. I said, I will come back to acting, but I need to do this music. Music started taking off for me, all these opportunities after I met you. Like, I was craving that, going in the studio. And I met this guy who was a photographer who I'd met a year before at a Los Angeles event. And he ended up basically kidnapping me. <laughs> it's Torsten. And... It was funny because it was, it was love at second sight. Mm. He's just a photographer the first time I saw him. But the second time I saw him, this voice said, that's him. Mm. And I was like, what? It's like God was saying, wake up. He's arrived. And it, was, it came at such a potent time in my life because I just lost a steady, strong male influence. My father, who was my mentor, my best friend. And that was just two weeks ago. And then now I have this new influence in my life who's a strong male love of my life mm. so it was almost like it, it helped me heal the loss of my father because i would i was so lonely at that mm. point point. and yeah i had friends but you know i've always been very independent 
person. And not everyone understands you when you've been through what I've been through and when you want to go where you want to go. Mm. You know, you, you do so many things and not everyone can go with you. They'll be like, yeah, it's too much. Why don't you just relax? I'm like, no, I got to hustle. I'm on my grind. So I was working all these different jobs and modeling and waitressing and, and gigging on the side. And so when I met him, Torsten, he became my boyfriend and we ended up traveling around the world together. Yeah, it was incredible. And I mean, because like every time I would see like on Facebook or whatever, like mm-hmm. you're in a different country. Yeah. I'm like, wow, she's straight just living it up right now. Just living it up. He was from Denmark. He is still from Denmark. And I was 27 years old and I had never been overseas. I'd been to Canada. I'd been in Mexico. And that is when I met Barry, who ended up producing Vagabonds. Okay. And I make the static. Okay. My whole EP. Mm. That okay, so, so yeah. Okay, so Barry, mm-hmm. he did. Now that the EP that you recorded, that was like a four song, five song, EP. five song EP. Okay. And I knew I was in London for only four days. Mm. And I said I had actually. Uh, I did a, a single in Australia, no New Zealand. Um, Get your freedom. Mm-hmm. That was that was in New Zealand. I did um, uh, run and hide. I think that was, I forgot where we produced that one. I had done like a few singles, Cold Wind mm. with you. So I'd have like three or four singles out now that mm. I would sell at my shows. And I would, I just do gigs. I just be like pop-up show in, and, in and, Germany, and listen, and you, you know, know? And you know what's crazy is as well, you know, just to kind of we'll get back right there. That, yeah. Because you had hit me and you was like, hey Skip, so I want to know, can I put Cold Wind on, on my EP? I was all like, mm. No, I think I want to keep, but I'm looking at like, man. I you should have said yes. <laughs> I gave you a chance. I gave you that I'm chance. Like, damn. damn, right? I could have put that on there. I know. know. Well, okay. We'll, so we'll so, see why. Right, right. So, 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 um, you did. Okay. So you recorded this now. So then I said, okay, I got four days. So I went in there and we just freaking rocked it. And he was a music producer in London who had done stuff with, um, Girl, put your record on. Play me your favorite song. Sounds familiar. Go ahead, let your head down. Yeah, I forgot her name, but she has an afro, okay. light skin, okay. curly hair. She's a singer, songwriter, big London, British one. So he was like, yes, I'm willing to do your project. And, you know, I paid for it. Mm, so funny. I owned it. Yeah, mm. I was like, you know, it was, it was thousands of dollars mm. for this. And it was like, whew. I was like, honey, I'm going to need you to loan me some money. Yeah, at that mm. point, I was making money from my shows, mm. but I was also helping my husband with his photography courses. Mm. Sorry, husband, he was my boyfriend at the time. Right. We got married now, right? right? But right. it was the, um, thank you. Mm. We he, he ran photography workshops that I would model in and get a, get a fee to model, and I'd help him organize it. And then the last day we were in the city, I would book a show. Mm. And sometimes they were at like open mic nights. Sometimes they were just like, a, a, like in, in uh, Italy, I, there was this open mic night that was really, really professional and it's an Irish pub, mm. but they would film it. They would let you go up there with your backtrack. I put that on my YouTube. And so that's how I did my show in Italy. Okay. And you know, I made fans everywhere I go and I keep going to these cities and eventually I started printing CDs and selling them mm. and just, then I started making money. But at this point I hadn't had the CDs and mm. have a project. I only had like three songs. Right. So I said, okay, you know, I need to make an album. Mm. So my husband invested in my career, my boyfriend at the time, and I had what money I'd had and invested it and just, it wiped me out. But I was like, this is the most important thing in my life right now. And so we went down to make, I make the static five track EP. 
And one of the and this songs is what there. Year? This, is what year? this was in 2014. Okay. 2014. So Vagabonds was on there. And the producer ended up going, you know, what if you did this? And it turned into Vagabonds. We keep on going. We keep on going. Never slowing down. We move beyond. We keep on going. We keep on going. Like it turned into vagabonds, like mm -hmm. that. The melody was changed. The lyrics were the same. Mm -hmm. Cleaned it up a little. Um, I did all the writing on that. Mm -hmm. But he was a, was really good at changing the structure, mm -hmm. and I thought that's much better. And so he, so we did. We put down the vocals, and I had to leave. Mm -hmm. And then we remotely. He got the guitarist. He got the rest of the tracks together. Um, but all my vocals were done, and we we figured out that I do best with a mic like right with him like how we're standing next mm -hmm. to each other mm -hmm. like not back in a booth mm -hmm. i can i can perform now in a booth you right. know now i've I, i've got a lot more vocal stamina and training um just by being on the road mm -hmm. and performing now but then it was sort of intimidating you're stuck in this closet looking at your friend through the glass mm -hmm. and i've always been a, like you bring out the guitar and i can start jamming and i mm -hmm. sound much better than i'm like trying to hit notes in the back you right, know right, right. so he he identified that and that's how we recorded cold mm -hmm. wind mm -hmm. you didn't have a vocal booth no, until we got to the studio and had to read and then re that's true it, when we redid re it yeah. we actually did a lot of work but on that in, but just in the front and the first time doing it we did it right there just right then and there, exactly. And we played it for so many people mm -hmm. to test it. What do you think mm -hmm. about this? We did really good on that track. People was like, man, this, man, this, this is, is different. This is a good song, man. And everybody kept saying, man, it's a different song from you. Like, like you did like Yeah. Yeah, so and then I had, I make the static, and I had a product, a viable album, and I just, I, I released it through CD Baby onto iTunes and Amazon, and that's when I started getting sales. Mm -hmm. I mean, every time I did a show, I just promote the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, go follow me, go find me on Amazon, iTunes, joyvilla.com. You have to self-promote, and I would just push it out, and I'd, oh, they remembered me when I was in London. They remembered me when I was in Italy, because now this is like two full years. And this was in fact, also like four before, years this of touring. Was, and this was also before... The streaming aspect really started really kind of coming into play. Like, you know, at that mm -hmm. time it was really just iTunes downloads and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe Apple Music wasn't pop, wasn't popping yet. I don't even think it was Tidal. out yet. Yeah, Spotify, Tidal wasn't Spotify even Spotify was just really kind of going. That's right. That's right. So, so the album... You know, was you know you getting you know getting your, your sales you know a little bit here and yeah there. He, a little bit here and, and there kind of whatever every six weeks now, <laughs> now now what made you do I guess like um, first off getting on the red carpet and like dressing up what what sparked mm. that well I had been touring for four years and I at that point um, and I had done twenty five countries mm. a year so. Then we finally came back to Los Angeles and we'd come back, but it would be like for like a week or two and then we'd be gone. All my friends were used to me just being gone. You know, we just know each other online mostly, right? Um, but this time we stayed and I, I, I forgot where I heard about it, but from some somewhere, I always am learning and growing, always attending workshops and like ASCAP expos and learning and I want to meet other like I want to learn my own craft perfected but I also want to meet other musicians and mm. other creators mm. so I can grow and someone told me about the Grammys and the, I mean I knew about the Grammys but the Recording Academy you can become a member mm. for a hundred dollars a year mm. you submit your tracks I think it was it was eight tracks then it might mm. have to be 12 now professionally out there 
And I had that because I had five songs on my EP and then the three or four singles. Mm. So I submitted all my tour data, my website, the track listings, photos of me, press write-ups that I had gathered. And I mean, it's a hustle. It's hard to get all that stuff as an independent musician. But I submitted all that and I got approved. Mm. I got accepted into the Recording Academy as a voting member. Mm. So then I was able to buy Grammys tickets. Uh huh. And then I, I got a publicist. Okay. Um, you know, I start you know saving my coin, putting it towards my business as an entrepreneur has to do. You know, right. any money I'd make, I put it right back into my business. And and I was on social media all the time. I was queen of the selfies even then mm. when I had like seventy five likes on a picture. That was a lot for me, right? right? That was a, now I get you know thousands of right. likes. It's like woo. Now I'm trying to get that seventy five thousand likes. Right. You know, right. trying to get that million followers, but um. I had so so I, I know the first time um, we did the the red carpet. It was that it was, orange dress. Yeah, yeah. So then I connected with a designer in that, San that Diego. That was 2015. That right? was 2015. He had designed for uh, Rihanna. He had been on a reality show with Rihanna, and she liked the dress. That's why she he got cast on it, but he she never wore it. Mm. So it was this crazy orange construction dress, mm. see through. And I was like, I need something crazy for my first Grammy. Something wild as me. Something that represents my like, I don't give a fuck that's attitude. Why, that's why when I saw when I saw that, I was like, Yep, that's, that's joy. joy. Yep. Exactly. I'm like, that's joy. <laughs> exactly. I gave no fucks on that yeah. Grammy's red carpet. Just going. Just going for it. And it was so fun. And it was it got me like tons of press. Oh now my god. Okay, now now boom. Ooh. Now. When you wore that dress, mm-hmm. it was the first time. Now you're getting this press all of like it's not even of your doing. Mm-hmm. It's just something that you wore. Next day is getting all this. Oh, How did it that felt feel? incredible. I was a bona fide celebrity. I mean, that was like the 15 minutes mm-hmm. style. But it, I was, I, I was asked to do article, like uh, uh, talk to interviews and articles all around the world. From wearing that. From wearing that one dress, absolutely. People talked about like who is Joy Villa, mm-hmm. Madonna, Lady Gaga, and Joy Villa. Worst dressed at the Grammys. Right. Like suddenly my name was thrown in the, the hat with all these famous people who I admired. And I was like, this is incredible. Whoa. And it was it was groundbreaking. I was like, wow. It's just all of a sudden everyone was like, who's Joy Villa? Joy Villa, Joy Villa. They were talking about Jimmy Kimmel talked about me on his show. Really? Oh yeah. He showed a picture of me. He's like, who's this girl? Who's this Joy Villa? I mean, it was it was mind blowing. It was the best feeling because it's you've been working hard for so many years, and then you're an overnight sensation, right? It takes you ten years to be an overnight sensation. Right. I've been working hard since 2011. Mm-hmm. That was when Cold One actually was mm-hmm. came out, 2011. So here's 2015. So that's uh, four years mm-hmm. from that point, and it 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 felt so good. Now my album sales didn't, it went up, but not like explosive, okay. but they did go a little bit up. Mm-hmm. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get better at my game. So, but my connections opened up press wise, incredibly. Okay. My social media following exploded. So 2015 uh, was the year that it was. Just oh yeah. Out. It was a whole nother, whole nother level. I knew that I can just do the Grammys. And I mean, I worked that press the whole year. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have to do anything. Magazine, Us Weekly put me in there. They put me on the paper, printed copies. Um, you know, MTV News was like Grammys most outrageous dresses, wow. Joy Villa. Like I was on everything. I mean, anytime you're talking about fashion or Grammys or outrageous looks, mm-hmm. I was mentioned in that dress. Mm-hmm. So year goes by. Mm-hmm. 
And, okay, here comes the Grammys again. That's right. Now, this was like a... No, you're skipping the 2016. What was 2016? See, everyone skips that one. That was the black bone dress. That was kind of like, it didn't, you know, it didn't really like I'm pretty sure I've seen it, but I Yeah, you know, it, it got me D-list, hot slut of the week. You know, it got like, you know, some funny troll type things. And I mean, I love it. I love any of that stuff. Um, yeah, so that one was like a, a is a cool look. And, and that time going to the Grammys, it was like, oh, Joy Villa, she's known for her crazy looks. Okay. So it just sort of rode on my fame from before. Okay. And... But, it, but for that year, it wasn't really, like, talked about a lot. It, was it wasn't there. groundbreaking, you know, but it was also... Okay, yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, yeah, it was fun, and I had braids, and... Right. Yeah. Around that time, that was when you were you were doing, um... Uh, um you were... The, the, the muscles. That's right, I was doing bodybuilding During competition. That, that was right. that time, so yeah. I was, like, showing it off. That was the bodybuilding competition, and... Yeah. I was just having was doing a great time. Good. That's when I knew I was like, yeah, she's, she's truly in her Taurus power right now. That's she's right. Really doing just whatever just feels good to do. Yep, and I staying, won third place. Staying, staying active, staying yep. focused, staying determined, mm -hmm. staying just trying to find something, you know what I mean? Like It's things that fed me. Yeah, and it, also, it feeds yeah, your spirit. Exactly, fitness and, and uh, you know, reaching out. And then also, I, um, I won third place. Won, won a couple trophies, and I released another single. So then I was able to just do more music, and I, I released that single that was from Germany. Um, yeah, it was great. So, 2016, no, 2017. Yes, Grammys. here we, we go. Here we come back around to, okay, after the black dress, bodybuilding, releasing another single. Yeah. You know what, let's do another dress. What was going on in your life at that time, the day or the week before that happened? Well, I always knew I would wear something crazy again. Crazy is me, crazy like a fox, right? Something wild, something, it doesn't have to be crazy, just something that matches my personality. And this was the year of the great Trump running against Hillary, mm -hmm. Hillary against Trump. Mm -hmm. And I was not political before. I'm not, I'm not really political. Yeah, I understand, but I mean, I had I was raised conservative, Republican, and then I, you know, I voted for Obama, and then like every good black person did, you know, <laughs> and then you know we did it, and then I was just like, ah, politics sucks. There's no change, right? It's not really change, you know. You didn't really bring the troops home. The economy sucks. You know, I'm a musician. What I care about politics, but then something about Trump. First, I didn't like him. Because I was like, yeah, he's like a bully and I'm overseas and everyone's talking about him and they're taking, you know, he's racist and all this craziness. And I was like, whoa, really? That's what's happening? I was in Asia and I was in Europe. I was touring again. And then, um, and then Bernie Sanders came up and he seemed like a populist, which is like to the people, cut the BS. And a lot of musicians were into him. But then I was like, oh, he's like into democratic socialism, which is less power to the people, more power to the government. I was like, okay, so I don't know what's going on now. Then a good friend of mine said, you need to look at Trump. I'm like, really? Because I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to vote this year. I know I'm going to be in the U.S., so I have to vote for someone, but it's definitely not going to be Hillary. I uh, never liked the Clintons or what they did. Then I started looking at Trump and I got what they call red-pilled. 
which means you go in and I, I started looking at videos on YouTube, speeches that he had given on all his rallies. I just was like, oh my gosh, this guy's on fire. Mm -hmm. He wants to bring power back to the people. Mm -hmm. He's emboldening people. He's like, I want to build the economy, America first. We're gonna we're gonna strengthen our borders. You know, just the old fashioned values that I was raised with. Mm -hmm. Like not going and, and going to help all the other countries. Let's just help America first. We have enough homeless here, we have enough problems here. And let's like not depend on the government to save us though. Let's empower people, lower taxes. So I like what he was saying. I like his his foreign trade arguments against foreign trade and deals of getting rid of China as much and more American. Um, and for me, I'm a pro-military. My family's military. My dad was in the army. My aunt was in the Marines. So I liked his stance and I voted for Trump. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you were pro-Trump as a person of color, especially during that time, you were literally a Nazi. <laughs> I mean, they're just like, you're the devil. Mm -hmm. So I kept it quiet mm. and I didn't even, I had very few friends that were pro-Trump except for the designer of the dress who we found out, he's like, I'm pro-Trump. I said, what? I'm pro-Trump. And mm. so we both were like, oh, Trump won. Yay. So when he won, we were crying with happiness. We're mm. like, oh my gosh. And you know, I, I posted something, I voted and I'm so happy I voted. And of course people clowned me on Instagram. Oh, why are you happy? Because now I had a good fan base. People mm -hmm. knew who I was to a certain extent. And my fans were just already getting angry. So I was like, oh, okay, this is crazy. I need to be myself. I need to come out bold. And the way the media is attacking him, this is insane. Madonna saying she wants to blow up the White House, mm. preaching that from the rafters, like that's a good thing. I mean, I said, culture dictates how people are thinking. And right now, anyone who likes Trump or even wants to give him a chance is demonized. And that is wrong. So I started getting into becoming back into being a Republican, but more in the terms of being a conservative, like an independent conservative, not not old school Republican, but like new school, this youth, this new political movement. I delve deep into it. I start listening to all the, the you know, people who are in the, in the industry of this and watching YouTube videos. And when it came around for the Grammys, I wanted to make a splash. And the designer said, Joy, what if you wore a Trump dress? And I was like, yeah. Let's do it. It's his idea. And of course I said, well, I'm the one who's going to have to take the heat for it. So, you know, he would throw out a lot of ideas and I'd say, no, no, no. And I released a remix album of I Make the Static. Right, right. Um, so I, re and I was like, oh, thinking like really bright colors, kind of EDM flow, like flowers and birds or, you know, something really artistic and wild. And I decided to wear the Trump dress. Now, real quick, what made you go back and re-release the I Make the Static album as far as like the EDM what made you I ran a contest so I had fans by that point I had, I had a good fan following and I ran a contest a remix contest that you could send in your remixes of my songs and I put them on a new remix album being into fitness mm -hmm. that 2017 I always would listen to remixes to get myself worked mm -hmm. out to work out 6am cardio or lifting weights so it's like, what if I do a remix of my album? Mm. And it went over really well. Okay. Sold a lot of copies. It was really great. Um, you know, at that time, nothing mm -hmm. like what happened mm -hmm. after okay. 2017. Okay, so that night, so then you all got that yeah. dress together. Mm-hmm. The day come. I, I planned it. I said, I, I, the media, I, I've done this rodeo before. They're going to destroy me. Like, they're trying to destroy him. They're going to lump me into every single bad category they can. So I have to hide the dress that says Make America Great Again on the front. 
Make America Great Again and Trump on the back. Beautiful dress, custom fit for my body, looking buff, looking tight, wore my afro out, flowering my hair, a white dress over the dress until I hit that red carpet. And that's when I just threw it off. And that's when it was like everything, like the, the model in you, the fashion woman in you, just Joy Villa, the, the Taurus power in you, everything just got revealed. Yeah, it was like because when the way that you did it was just flawless. The way you was turning, like it was like she's she's been here before. She's done this. Yeah, like, I just unbuttoned it slowly, like, and then I, I just like, I was threw like, it this off. Is joy. You knew it. I was like, this is joy. The theatrics, the yeah. style. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So when you did that, did you feel like? Oh, well, my heart was pounding. Really? Oh, I mean, anyone could have done anything to me at that point. You know, no, the, like what? Well, they hate Trump so much, um, and I thought, you know, there's security there though. Someone might throw tomatoes at me or, or powder you know they throw flour at people they don't like wearing fur or whatever someone could have tried to steal the dress take the dress off i just imagine what could have happened i said that's ah, going to make them look worse the cameras are going to be there so everyone's going to be catching it if someone tries to do something to me that's just going to make a headline right so i'm like i really also i thought of i'm going to turn off a lot of potential fans mm -hmm. like i could absolutely ruin my career by doing this but i didn't care mm -hmm. i mean i i didn't think that far in advance i was like yeah but you know it's more enjoyable for me in this moment to say f you to the establishment that's going to tell me how to vote tell me how to think mm -hmm. tell me how to dress i'm going to do my thing and it felt good to be myself free as being. a free being exactly that's the whole thing and it took off like gangbusters I, I hit number one now, on okay, iTunes. Now, now, hold on a minute. Now, the, that morning, yeah. after, what happened? Well, that that morning after, I mean, that same day, I was all over the press. That same night. All, that, that same night. night, all over it. I was sitting there with my publicist, new publicist, um, and we were looking, and he was like, oh, my God, Joy, you're training on everything. You're everywhere. And I was like, oh, we're sitting watching the Grammys, you know, and I'm looking at my phone and it's did, 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 like all the trending. updates, like just trending everywhere. Yahoo News, Joy Villa, what this, 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 and was just boom. I didn't think I could get bigger than the 2015. I mean, of course I knew I would, but I didn't think the Grammys would be it. You know, you just, you just keep doing you, you put out music and you're just being true to yourself. But that struck a nerve and everybody was like, wow. You either loved it or you hated it, mm -hmm. but so many people loved it. They were like, thank you, Joy. I also voted for Trump, and I'm, I get beat up because I wear my Make America Great Again hats, and I get this, and I got, I got just heaps of love letters. People saying, I know they're gonna hate you in the liberal media, so I'm gonna send you a letter of love. Was you getting like all, like, hit up from overseas? And oh, everywhere. It was everywhere. Oh, every, like, name of press, I was there. They would, a picture of me, an interview with me, or, you know, even if it wasn't a direct interview, it was about me. But every single New York Times, Huffington Post, uh, you know, LA Weekly, um, Entertainment, E! Hollywood, all of everything. I mean, I had been on most of this press before in 2015, but this was unlike anything. And the political press. You know what I thought? I said, worst thing that happens is because they hate Trump so much and they're going to hate my politics, they're all going to ignore me. I was like, everyone's going to ignore me on that red carpet. I'm going to be there, and they're just going to be like, ugh. 
That's what I thought would be the worst. You know, I, didn't, I was like, unless someone tries to like kill me, but I mean, that's not going to happen. Uh, I got death threats too, though. Yeah, we'll get to oh, that. Serious yeah, death threats, that. yeah. So. So I was on the press yeah. everywhere. And then I hit number one. Okay, now when did you find that out? Uh, that was that night I was trending. Uh, my team, my assistant, and my and a couple of my friends and my husband, they were all like looking at all the press. And they said, Joy, you're number six on iTunes right now. I was like, what? And then I was like, number four. You're right behind Drake. And then I was like, you're this, number this one. Was, this was during the week? This was during the night. During the night? Yeah. Over a couple hours. I just started climbing the iTunes charts. I'd never been on the iTunes charts before. I was like, oh, what? Like, I mean, I went from, I don't know, non-existent on there to surpassing Drake, Pink. Oh, shoot. And Beyonce's number one, right? And then I surpassed Beyonce. I hit number one. I stayed there for days for the whole week. For days of that week. I don't know if it was exactly seven days, but it was like days. I'm thinking, okay, you can hit it once and then you go down once these other artists outsell you. No. It was like, it was an avalanche. Then an Amazon, same thing. I wrote up those charts. Oh, oh, surpassing Pink, Lady Gaga, Adele, Beyonce, Joy Villa. Boom. Then Billboard reported I would make in the top 200, I would make, probably I'd be making the top 10, top 15. First, they were like, oh, she's headed for the, headed for this spot. So then I started, I, I'm like, I'm not going to wait on that. This is a once in a lifetime. Not once in a lifetime for someone who's pursuing it, but this is the first in a lifetime chance to make the, the biggest chart there is on music, and that's Billboard. As an independent artist, so I started texting all my friends. I was like, hey, guys, I, start, I went to YouTube. I did. I called my fans Joy Tribe. I said, Joy Tribe, thank you so much, all my new fans and followers. My social media exploded. I got like 100,000 new followers overnight on every single thing. It was just, boom! I went from like 30,000 to like 130,000. You know, it was insane. Instagram, I got, you know, thousands upon thousands. Like at one point, all my tweets were getting like six or 7,000 likes. It was insane. They've calmed down to like, now I get about 1,000. You know, because you did that kind of math, I was just hot news. And the news was just putting it out. There was new articles every damn day. CNN now. Breitbart News, Fox News had me on. But before that, I was tweeting everybody, texting everybody, hey, please go buy my album, I Make the Static. Let's get it as high as we can on the charts. It debuted at number 15 on, on the Billboard. top 200 Billboard charts for March. Number 15, the top 200, and it, it debuted at number one in 2017, number one in alternative, number one in rock. So on three charts, I debuted and I hit number one on two charts. Outsold Red Hot Chili Peppers and Metallica, whose shirt I'm wearing right now, who were the top rock sellers. Alternative, Imagine Dragons, all the alternative bands, because the album is rock and alternative. And um, so it was incredible. It changed my life. And then a month and a half later, here comes iTunes. Spotify streams. Now you're no. like, what? More numbers than I'd ever How seen did in that my feel? life. How did that feel? Oh my. First See, of all, then, I was know, all over the so news. Dope. It's so too. dope talking to you about this right now. Yeah. You know, like, how did that feel to see... Because I remember hitting up CD Baby, and I remember during that time, they had shut down, like, that week. And I was like... I was like, um... <laughs> 
I called him. I said, yeah, um, I noticed you all are shut down or whatever. What's going on? She's like, I don't know. I said, well, you know, um, Joy Villa's album, I make the static, is on, is in you all's, you know, through CD Baby. She's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah. I was like, the song me and everything, it's called Cold Wind. That's a... She's like, oh, really? Wow. I'm going to, f- oh. you know, she was like hyped up that she was nice. talking to me. And I knew you. Yeah. Because they I, knew who I was. Yes. At, yeah. that, at that time, I was like, so I was figuring like, wow, maybe the sales of all that was coming to where it was like, they was like, what the hell? They, yeah. Because they're, they're the ones that have to pay you out. You, it might have done that. Maybe. Maybe it was like, the, I mean, how the system just breaks down almost. It just almost. all of a sudden shut up. I remember it shut, well, you know, it shut down for that, for like a few days. It must have been me. Who else? That. I mean. And I was like, what in the world? I sold 30,000 copies. Now, how did that feel? Okay, so when you got that, you sold 30,000 the first week. 30,000 in four days. 30,000 in four days. Without even a full week to make the billboard numbers, mm. I actually only had four days to make those numbers. So imagine if I would have had an extra two, three more days to say, I would have debuted uh, probably at number five at that point. The way the sales were going, it was just going up and up and up and up. Billboard personally reached out to me. It's like, hey, so you're gonna make it on our charts? We'd love to have like a signed autograph of your CD because we like to keep track of all our, our stars. Billboard hit me up and I was like, yeah. So I, did, I got to send them physical copy. Billboard does report like news reports on me all the time now, yeah. which was incredible. Cause that was one thing is like music. I really wanted to, I wanted those music publications to know who I am as I'm a musician. And I've been in politics a lot now, like talking about political mm-hmm. stuff because now that I'm out and everyone's looking to me and listening to me, I'm like, it's, this is incredible. This is a dream come true to be outspoken on the things I love and want to be outspoken on and to be able to be an artist and to be an activist. I'm a so, political activist. So is activist. it to the point where you can walk outside and people may recognize you? Well, I've been on Fox so many times. I've been on NBC. I've been on Good Morning America. I've been on so many news programs that depending on where, where I am in, at the time, I get recognized. Mm. I mean, I get recognized mostly in the airport. Mm. And especially if I have makeup on, my hair out with the mm-hmm. flower. Um, in LA, I think everyone's too cool for school, but I do get recognized in LA too. Not as much, but in New York, I get recognized a lot. Um, when I'm in Texas, I get recognized a lot. You know, certain cities where my fan base really is. When I go to events, I went to CPAC, which is a conservative political action conference. Mm-hmm. I got bombarded. Mm-hmm. So many people came out. Hundreds of people wanted to take selfies with me. Really? And that was just in, uh, that was just a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. So I've seen that the activism is one of the most important parts, and it, but the music is the core that brought it all together. So where is um, I Make the Static at now? How many records has it sold? It has sold, you know, I don't know the current numbers on it, but that explosive week littered into, like it, it was like a, an effect on every other song I did. Mm-hmm. You know, Cold Wind, yeah. remember you got the, yeah. Yeah. The, the the numbers on that yeah. made more yeah. money that week than it yeah. ever had. I was like, wow, man. All my other songs shot up. And then mm-hmm. my new album, Home yeah, Sweet the one, Home. Now, tell, t- t- tell me about that album. What so, made you want to go back in and... Well, I, this so I spent the latter part of last year going to the White House. I got invited to the White House several times um, and got to meet a lot of the staff. And I haven't met the president in person yet, mm. but I got to meet, and he tweeted, he tweeted me. You, right? Yeah, he tweeted me. And he said, you have a lot of fans, good luck. So they're all fans of mine. And I, and I even spoke on, um, met Lara Trump, who runs the campaign, was on the campaign advisory board last year. I mean, I got really active and I loved it. And then this year, 
I said, I want to, I'm pro-life. Mm. So I said, I want to share that story of giving up a child for adoption right. instead of destroying the life and doing something that was painful. It's always painful choice, but I made the choice for life. I didn't want to punish that child. And I get to see her today and I know her. She calls me Mama Joy. Mm. It's she, incredibly she like, looks like you. she looks like me. Really? Yeah, she's a big afro. Really? She looks just like me. Wow. It's crazy. She looks so much like me. Dresses like me, likes really? the same things I like. Yeah, she's gonna be a little artist. Wow. And from something awful, the relationship, which, you know, came something beautiful. Mm. And she has an amazing family. She's happy, healthy. And I get to see her as often as I like. And I said, you know, now the healing has begun. This is, this was, I was like 19 years old when I got pregnant, like 19, almost 20. And so I, you know, it's a different time now. I'm 31, so it's all over 10 years ago. So I'm like healed, you know, I've been through my parents dying. I've been through homelessness. I've been through uh, alcohol abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. I've been through all these things and now I'm like, I'm healed through it. You know, I, my life is to inspire other people's life. Like I am not a victim, you know, and I speak on that all the time. I'm like, people will blame, oh, racism or oh, sexism or oh, it's because I'm fat, it's because I'm ugly. No, it's because you, you don't want it bad enough. There's other, there's ugly people out there who are making it. Lena Dunham, you know what I mean? She was, I mean, there's people out there who say, well, she was born into the money. Yeah, she started to create something. No, I don't, I don't particularly like, I don't like her politics or what she stands for, but I use her as an, as an example, especially in the arts. There's all different types of people here. And look at Donald Trump, like this, a lot of the country hates him, wants to take him down. He doesn't care. He got elected. He spoke to the, his fan base. He spoke to the people who, about the issues that he knows are in, are that uh, normal Americans are interested in, and he got elected. Like there's no there's no time where you can say, "Well, I, I, it looks so bleak, and I might as well give up." If you really truly want something, right. go after okay. it. Right. Being an independent artist, never getting signed by a record label. Yeah. They've come at me but it's always a little dodgy. Mm. If it was the right label, like a smaller independent label. A boutique I, type of yeah, label. Yeah, I would be interested, but right Not now. Not the main corporation, like corporate no, label, no. No, so I, I, I knew the Grammys was coming up and I wore my Choose Life dress, mm. which a lot of people said outdid my Trump dress. Mm. So That's how, what LA Weekly said. So how was it after that came out? You know, that was, it's sort of you like. Home, I mean, uh, what's home that? Sweet Home. You dropped that? that I dropped day. that that day. Oh, okay. I dropped it the same Grammys day. I said, I want to, you know, use the, you know, attention, the eyeballs I'm going to get to push a new album as mm. well as showcase my story and and give something to the fans because they've been asking for new music. I did drop a single, home, uh, Make America Great Again, last year. Make America Great Again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's so catchy, right? Yeah, we can still be the hope of every hungry child. Yeah, it, be the sound of every freedom song. Yeah, it was something I, I it was like, um, I saw it on YouTube, you were like on um, this um, news, um, I forgot, I think it was in New York, maybe. Mm -hmm. And they like played the song and you mm -hmm. were like getting interviewed and I was just like, wow. Yeah, man. it peaked at number three, but it actually peaked at number four on Amazon charts, mm. pop charts when it came out. And I think it was number 12 on iTunes, mm. which was like amazing. And then YouTube tried to take it down. Why? 
because there was people, someone was in there was said that I didn't get their permission, but I did get everyone's permission to be in there. So they, I mean, it's basically just censorship because it was pro-Trump because it was, I mean, it was just pro-America too, but I'm wearing my Trump dress in it and it was really beautiful and I fought it. I took it public and as soon as I went public with it to my, all my Twitter following, I said, look what YouTube's trying to do. They are censoring us. This is ridiculous. They're censoring artists' free speech. What? It's nothing wrong in this video. It's nothing hateful. Right. It's nothing ugly or violent. You know, because some of that stuff should be taken down. All the videos on YouTube yeah. are crazy stuff. They you can stick a that. gerbil in a microwave and film it on YouTube. That doesn't get taken down? Wow. Freaking A. A gerbil in a microwave. I've seen this kind of stuff. Right. I, mean, I haven't seen it, but right. I, I've seen this, yeah. the headline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Popping pimples, you know, explode, like surgeries, live surgeries. Yeah. I mean, I don't think some of that stuff that shouldn't be taken down. Yeah. But that's more offensive than this. Right. Yeah, of all the crap on there. So it was uh, ugly, but I took to my social media, I took to my YouTube, I took to my Periscope, and I published the letter that they had sent me that was basically a cease and desist. If you don't uh, take out the faces, first they said, we're gonna take your video down. And I said, why is so you have to take out that face and blur that face? I was like, what if I can prove, like I, ha I literally have paperwork on every person who's in my video, they signed it. It's a, it's a release. I'm, on, I'm not a dummy. I've been in this industry, right? right? right <laughs> like, right, do a release. Right. And I told them it's for Make America Great. New Yorkers don't care. They're like, okay, great. I said, can I just film you? And I personally filmed them myself. Mm. So um, I had to blur out this person's face. Um, I did. And then they, then they did say, okay, fine. We reviewed it. We're not going to take your video down. But they actually took it down. I had to put it back up mm. to re-upload re it. So the views that it gained, it started all over again. it started all over again exactly well they put it on private mm -hmm. so i didn't have to re-upload the whole thing it just was taken it was just gone okay and then so the views just were stopped okay. but i could have had way more views now mm -hmm. it's got two hundred thousand views mm -hmm. which is really good and in gaining and um yeah but that video was just crazy so after that happened though uh i went to the news i talked about it it actually went up to number one on Amazon mm. because of it. Number two, number two on Home Amazon. I know uh, that was Make America Great okay. Again. Okay. And now Make America Great Again is on Home Sweet Home, mm. the EP. Okay. Home Sweet Home, I'm singing the national anthem. That's my newest EP. It's um, That one peaked at number two as well. Mm. Yeah, so Home Sweet Home peaked at number mm. two on Amazon. It, it surpassed Taylor Swift mm. on the charts. For that week? For that week. And the only person who was above me was Justin Timberlake. Mm. And he was doing the um, Super Bowl. That was right. the week he was doing the Super Bowl. Mm. So I couldn't quite, you know, I was like, ah, let's get, oh, can't quite yeah, surpass so him. To go from that, that young girl, mm -hmm. you know, growing up in Orange County, mm -hmm. to this. I was born there. Okay, I, was, I didn't really grow up there. Girl, born in Orange County. Yeah. You know, moved, you know, just with your parents, that life that you were living yeah. as a child. Yeah. Seeing how the boldness in you can push, it shows that there's no limitations if you yourself have faith yeah. in, 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 in belief in who you are as an individual can take you to wide, to, to a place where there's no limitations. That's right. This is a prime example of that. For people that don't hold back how you feel, what you think, what it is you want to do. Yeah. Be Everyone has a free being within us. Yes. So it's really about finding that free being within each of us. Yeah. To showcase that there's no limitations to what we as individuals can do. And you've been a prime example of that. And I've been a witness of seeing that in you. you. 
You know what I mean? Thank you, Steve. I mean, that makes me cry. You know, it's the it's truth. Beautiful. It's, it's, it's the truth. You know what I'm saying? And I don't even think about it because I'm in it. Yeah. But when you put it that way, it's yeah. like, yeah. It's the truth. But that's the thing, though. That's what grabbed my attention to you when I first met you. Yeah. I saw it was something that was like, and then when, when she started, I am a free. Like, this woman right here is free. Yes. And it's a it's inspiring for me. To not hold back my own freeness of yes, who I am as a that's person right. to showcase that there's no limitations that's to what right. it is. Because there really aren't. There in, the there only limitation is what you put on yourself. It's, it's us. You can say it's society or your parents or how you were raised or the body you're born into or the circumstances you're born into. But we see time and time again, people are born in the worst of circumstances, my own experience, or even worse than mine in your experience. And they succeed. But people are born in war-torn countries that come and win Nobel Peace Prize. And they're born in the, in the worst ghettos or people have said that they shouldn't survive or they wouldn't survive. And yet they miraculously recover and can run in a marathon today. Or what about people who are born with no legs, no arms, yet they somehow find the way to survive? I mean, we look at those people and go, oh, that's so inspiring. But everyone can be inspiring. You have to inspire yourself. Yes. And love yourself enough to go after what you feel is what you deserve. I have never thought, oh man, maybe I shouldn't be an artist. It's who I am. Mm -hmm. And I don't care how many people will say, oh, blah, 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 because people talk. I got my haters too. Now, what's this? You was getting like death threats? I mean, what's, Oh, what's yeah. I mean, because people, what? once they, they, you do something that, that inspires people, they get scared. The other people, the other side gets scared and they want to kill you. That's crazy. It's dumb. <laughs> That's crazy. That's it's like so what? Dumb. I mean, just little things that, you know, stuff I was reading on Twitter and people saying and stuff. I'm just like, yeah. They don't know joy. Exactly. They just don't know me. Exactly. They don't know joy. Yep. Because anybody who has joy yeah. within themselves wouldn't be walking around talking about giving, you know, I want to kill somebody. Right. They don't have they don't have joy within themselves. That's right. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So your That's name right. was your name was fitting for the moment. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? For just for time. Because the word joy has been around before you or I, and it'll be here after you and I are gone. That's right. Joy is a word that's been used back in the biblical days. Yeah. Joy that's right. is a feeling. That's right. Happiness. That's right. And you know, joy is Happiness and relief after suffering. Joy. Yeah, the true definition of joy is not just happy, right? Like I can be happy that I'm eating a cookie, but true joy is like you've never been allowed to eat a cookie and you finally got that cookie. You worked hard and you bought a cookie yourself. So that joy. is true joy. It is happiness after having a lack of happiness or after suffering. It's like relief, but like, a freedom of relief. You should do a Christmas album call it Joy to the World. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe we'll, we'll have to do it. it. Yeah. So, where do you plan on, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Ooh. I see myself as doing, I'm getting back into acting because okay. it's really important to inspire others and I want to do a talk show. Mm. I want to do my own talk show. I can show. see that. Yes. I, I can definitely to, I, see you doing that. Thank you. I, I can really definitely want to see do you doing it. That. Yeah, because that'll help others, and I'm very outspoken, opinionated, and mm -hmm. I love it. And uh, I'm writing a book about my story mm -hmm. so people can, can hear it, my memoir. 
and I put my lyrics and my music and everything. You're going to be in my book, of mm. course, you know, because you're part of my journey. And um, just creating more music. I'm working on another album. Okay. And I'm not rushing things. Mm. That's the thing most people get mistake. Like, they make mistakes when they become a celebrity. And I got caught up into it last year. But I did a lot of great stuff. But you're like, oh, no. Like, I, like I got I to gotta, I gotta say something. I got to comment on this. I got to be, I got to stay relevant, right? You got to be out there. The truth is, you make your own relevancy, and you could I could disappear. I could go to the Maldives or go to Jamaica for a year, come back next year's Grammys, everyone would remember who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, you're, it's not like you lose it that quick, mm-hmm. as long as you stay true to yourself. So I really want to create great products that people can hear and listen to. And I've got a singing pen where I sing the national anthem. Mm-hmm. It's a Joy Villa singing pen. It's on my website at okay. joyvilla.com. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you want to tell like any aspiring um, you know, artist, you know, actress, um, mm-hmm. singer, what, what words would you tell them to someone who's listening to this in a small town in Ohio right now? What would yeah. you tell them, you know, to give them words of encouragement as far as, you know, where it is that they want to go? And... I would tell them that they need to know that they are going to face an incredible amount of obstacles in their life. And, but if you believe that what you want to do is important and valuable, and most importantly, you're obsessed with it yourself. You say, this makes me feel good. This is what I love to do. This feels right. This is my calling. This is what I meant to do. When you have that kind of drive and fire, you have to listen to that. God gives you a chance to go after your dreams and goals, but it doesn't mean he's going to take away the obstacles. That's going to be presented. So you have to Believe in yourself so much and what you want to accomplish and have your vision and your focus so clear that when you see obstacles, you just push them out of the way. You just laugh them off. You go, okay, this is one of those obstacles I heard, I read about, I heard you know, about. You, know, you have to expect the opposition. Obstacles are the frightening things you see when you take your mind off your goals. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Steady, keep going, keep pushing and be strong and proud about it. I mean, you can go as fast as you want or as, or as slow as you want, it's up to you. But you're never gonna go anywhere if you don't do something every single day, if you don't hustle, if you don't grind, if you don't make those phone calls, tell people about who you are and what you wanna be. Like I've always told everyone, like I'm gonna be a star. You know, and it's not just like an arrogant thing, but it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be a star. Mm. And I know people told me that in high school, they're like, yeah, you said you were gonna be a star. Mm. Look at you now. I mean, I carried that, I knew it. I carried Mm. my own self-respect. I don't carry my wounds or my pain. I carry my success, I carry my future. And even now, it's not like I'm like, well, I made it. No, I've got way more to do. Mm. I wanna be winning Grammys, performing at the Grammys, owning my own uh, companies Mm. to inspire other artists. You know, you just wanna keep expanding. I like to be like Oprah, Mm. lifestyle brand. Mm. Everyone, there's room for everyone to do that. Yeah. Well, Joy, I appreciate you. I thank you. Thank you for lounging with Skip, lounging with me, you know, and letting the people know just where you come from and mm-hmm. where you're going. And uh, I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. thank you, Skip. It's a pleasure. Oh, good. So until next time. Oh, well, yeah. Where can uh, people reach you? Can people reach can you? reach me on um, YouTube, Miss Joy Villa. It's M-I-S-S-J-O-Y-V-I-L-L-A. YouTube.com slash Miss Joy Villa. Joyvilla.com. Instagram at Joy Villa. And on, um, in, on um, Twitter, uh, at Joy underscore Villa. 
Okay. And uh, so if anybody, any of the producers or any other artists want to reach out and collaborate. Or yeah, like joy at joyvilla.com. You can email me, joy at joyvilla.com. Okay. I love collaborations. Let's do it. All right. All right. Well, everybody, until next time, peace.